Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church podcast, where we share weekly sermons from our church services. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. We are a multi-generational family church located in the heart of Little Rock. Calvary's mission is to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. Whether you've long been part of our church family or are tuning in for the first time, we hope our podcast provides the same kind of welcoming space you'd find here on Sunday mornings. Most of all, we hope this space helps you engage God's Word and grow in your faith. Well, this morning we have the privilege of studying a couple of guys in the scriptures. One is named Bezalel and the other is named Oholiab. So who in the world are these men? Well, they actually happen to be what we would call craftsmen extraordinaire. These are the guys that God chose and that God called and then equipped to actually make or build the tabernacle and then also make all of its furniture and furnishings. And if we were to to kind of pick some words to describe these guys and their work in their ministry, I would say we'd have to use the word exquisite, ornate, and extraordinary. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 31. It's in Exodus 31, and then we'll look at a passage as well just a few chapters later in just a second, that give us some of the play-by-play of Bezalel and Oholiab, these two extraordinary craftsmen that God used in extraordinary ways. Exodus 31, we read in the first part of that chapter about these men. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for the work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set the stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. Now, if you'll just flip over a few pages to Exodus chapter 35, we'll pick up again in verse 34, where we get a little more description about these two craftsmen. Exodus 35, starting with verse 34, and it says, And he has given both him and Oholiab, that means Bezalel and Oholiab, son of Hishamak, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. So not only were these men gifted themselves with this gift of craftsmanship and the artistic ability but they had the gift of actually teaching other artisans to teach others in the artistic crafts. And then verse 35 says, He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, and embroiderers, and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. 
So Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Wow. Two very gifted men who taught other gifted people how to use their craftsmanship skills, their artistic abilities for the glory of God. These guys were responsible for sculpting and molding the gold, the silver, and the bronze that was used in the tabernacle. They were gifted in carving wood, shaping wood, using wood to frame the tabernacle and all of the furniture that was then plated and covered with gold. Some of it was molded out of pure gold. They were the ones who cut and mounted the gemstones that went on the ephod, the breastplate of the high priest. They were the ones who knew how to sew and embroider and weave linen garments and even dye those garments into beautiful colors as God designed and required. They were the ones who knew how to work with these incenses and fragrances that, and the oil and all the things that were part and parcel of the worship in the tabernacle. They were the engravers and the designers. They were truly doing work that we would have to say was exquisite, ornate, and extraordinary. Craftsmen extraordinaire. Well, if we go back to Exodus 31, we see that it wasn't Moses who chose these guys. It wasn't Moses who called on them to do the work. It was God. God chose them specifically. And then God called them, and then God clearly equipped them, filled them with all of the understanding that they needed, the knowledge they needed, the skill that they needed to do this particular work. Called by God and then equipped by God. Important concepts that I think we need to start thinking about as it relates to the ministry work that perhaps God has called each of us to. You know, as we read the story, we pick up in verse 7 of chapter 31, and we see all of the things that they actually made, that they used their craftsmanship and their artistic abilities to make. In verse 7, it says, they made the tent of meeting. That's actually just another word for tabernacle or a set of words for tabernacle. They made the tabernacle, the tent that housed the presence of God. In that tent, they made the Ark of the Covenant and then the law with the atonement cover on it. That's the actual Ark that was in the holy place, the holiest of place. And it was plated with gold, a little chest that was plated with gold, and then the top of it was pure gold. We'll see a picture in just a moment. Then we see that they made all of the other furnishings. The table, that's the table of showbread that was in the holy place. Again, covered with gold, and the serving ware, and the pitchers, and the plates were pure gold. They made a pure gold lampstand and all of its accessories. They made this altar of incense that was uh, 
burning this fragrant incense as one entered into the tabernacle. They made an altar for an outside for the burnt offerings out of bronze and all of its utensils, its basin with its stands. They also made the woven garments for the priest, the sacred garments for Aaron and his sons. And then they also put together all the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. And they did it exactly as God had commanded Moses. It's a lot of work. Last week, if you were here, we were just talking about the tabernacle. And I mentioned that a picture is worth a thousand words. And so today we're going to show some of the same pictures. We'll go through them fairly quickly. But I want you just to kind of see it. And see it this time from the perspective of the craftsmanship and the artistic skills that went into making this incredible uh, tabernacle and all of its furniture. So let's start with just the picture of the altar. This was out in the courtyard. That's where they made and offered all of the sacrifices. Every one of them was off of this altar. It was crafted out of bronze. And it was a seven and a half foot square, four and a half foot tall, had the little horns on the side or the corners. And this is where all of the offerings were. And then you see the handrails that they made out of the acacia wood, the desert wood. And then they covered that, shaped that with bronze. That's the altar. Then we also see the wash basin or the laver that was also between the altar and the actual tabernacle itself, the tin. And this was made out of polished bronze, a special bronze, a very uh, valuable bronze. We're told in Exodus 38 that the women were the ones responsible for bringing this, and they brought their mirrors back in their day. The best and finest quality of mirrors were of this finely polished bronze. And then they used that bronze, those bronze mirrors, to, they molded them into this wash basin. And the priest had to wash their hands and their feet before making any sacrifice or before going into the tabernacle itself. So as they did that, they could see themselves reflected in this burnished bronze wash basin. We also see some of the pictures of the tabernacle itself. Look at the embroidery of those cherubim on that fine linen cloth. And they had dyed those cloths and then weaved them together. This is expert craftsmanship in the terms of uh, being able to weave and sew and all of the things that go with fabric. Spectacular. This is the front of the actual tabernacle. And you see again the colors and the dyes. And all of that, if you remember last week, I said was symbolic. The white stood for purity the blue, we think, represented heaven, sky blue, looking heavenward. And then you see the purple, which represented royalty, and then the scarlet, which represented sacrifice or blood sacrifice. All very, very symbolic and beautiful and carefully made. Look at the picture now of the high priest. He had a, a very special garment. Bleach white robe, but then it was covered by a blue tunic called an ephod. 
And then it had a breastplate over that, which had the 12 stones, one representing each of the 12 tribes. These precious gemstones had to be cut and then mounted on that breastplate, all done by craftsmen. Bezalel, Oholiab, and then the artisans that helped them. Here's a close-up picture of the breastplate. You also see the shoulder pieces made of onyx stone and had names of the six tribes on one shoulder and the other six tribes on the other shoulder. Beautiful, spectacular, exquisite, ornate, extraordinary craftsmanship involved. Let's go now look at the, the wall, the picture. This is the gold-plated walls. This is the outside because it has the rails, but the inside of the tabernacle had gold-plated walls. It was reflecting as you walked in. Spectacular. Then we see inside the holy place, the first room that the priest would go into. You see on the left side, you see the lampstand made of pure gold, had seven lamps, all sculpted, told by God in his pattern to make them like almond-shaped leaves. Then on the other side of that, the opposite side, you had the table of the showbread. Again, gold-plated table. And then the articles of the pitchers and the plates were pure gold, had the bread that they baked with this uh, special recipe that God gave them. So there were culinary skills involved in all of this as well. And then you have the altar of incense. It's where the fragrant offerings were going up kept burning perpetually, uh, this incense that filled the tabernacle. And then if you went into the holiest place, behind the curtain veil, you would see the Ark of the Covenant. It was the only thing in the room. And it was this four-foot-long, uh, three-foot-tall chest, about two-and-a-half feet wide. Again, had the, the carrying rails. And on top of you see those beautiful angels, the cherubim, that are looking down at the top or the cover of the ark. They sometimes call it the, the atonement cover. Sometimes they call it the mercy seat that they're looking down upon. And that's where the high priest, one time a year, would make an offering, sprinkle blood from the altar on that seat, that atonement seat. That's one time a year. It was only the high priest that could go in there and only one day a year, the day of atonement. And he would offer a sacrifice there on that mercy seat spectacular, exquisite, ornate, extraordinary. The cherubim over the ark are, are beautiful. They represent guardians of holy places in Scripture. These are special angels that had wings, but they also had hands and feet, always seen as guardians of sacred space in Scripture. We see the glory of the Lord on the cover of the ark here. Because this is where God actually gave his presence. He lived among the people in the tabernacle, in the holy place, right here. And then we also see that this is very significant. If you look at the outside shot of the, this is at night. The tabernacle would have been in the very center of where the Israelites camped. And they'd have 12 tribes camping, three on the north three on the south, three on the east, three on the west. The Levites would be right in the middle, right around the tabernacle. And you see in this picture, if you could see close up, you see the animals are close by, and they would be there to take care of all of the 
the tabernacle, set up, take down, transport, repairs, and so forth. So the Levites, but if you could zoom out, we don't really have a picture, but if you could zoom way out, you would literally see Mount Sinai in the distance where it was first set up, and then you would see two million plus people camping all over this desert, all camping around the tabernacle where God literally dwelt physically, spiritually, and every other way among his people. Spectacular. And so I think as we understand this, we need to understand and celebrate the type of people God called and equipped to make this. And that's what we're really here to do today. I just got a few points I want to point out to you. Uh, First point I would like to say is that God clearly loves beautiful things. We get that out of this story. But never forget, he loves us the most. He loves us the most. And the backstory of all of this, Exodus 19 tells us that God called the Israelites his royal people, a kingdom of priests, and here it is, a key phrase, a treasured possession. A treasured possession. That's another way for God to simply say, I love you the most among anything. I love you. And you know what? That's been transferred to us as New Testament believers. You look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he uses the same terminology. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a treasured possession. That's us. God loves us the most. He does love beautiful things. You can look at creation and see that all throughout. But here's something I think we need to, to, to ponder just a moment. I don't think God is all that enamored by gold, silver, bronze, and precious gemstones. I don't think that means all that much to God. And you say, well, why did he then have the Bezalel and Oholiab make the tabernacle out of all these things? Well, I think he chose these things because he knows how much we love them how valuable they are to us. And God wanted his people to bring their best to him in worship. And so I think that is very, very important. That really relates to kind of my point number two. God deserves and desires our very best. And he wants us to bring our very best, not only materially, but also with our gifts and our talents, and all of our resources. He wants us to give our best of our time to him. And so God deserves and desires the best. There's a verse in the Bible that I love. In fact, if I were to say I had a theme verse, a life verse, I've always told people it would be Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart, as unto the Lord, not for man. That means when we work, whatever we do, 
It's actually an act or should be and can be an act of worship to God. And that's really what I think God was wanting his people. And Bezalel and Oholiab were leading the people and giving their very best to God. And that really applies to all things we do and all of the time and the talents and the resources we have. We need to be investing in the kingdom of God. A third point is that God gives beautiful gifts and talents for us to use in serving him. I love Ephesians 4, 7 and 8. He just talks about how God gives gifts. And in the context of that passage, he's telling us that he has given gifts by Christ to the church to do the work. He's equipped us to do the work of the ministry. So this is a New Testament concept where we as the people of God get to serve God with our gifts that he's given us, just like he did with Bezalel and Oholiab and the other artisans. So we need to use these gifts for him. That's a passage, by the way, Ephesians 4, that's talking about spiritual gifts. We actually have four passages in Scripture in the New Testament that talk about these specific spiritual gifts. And I have a list of them that I'd like to just share a moment as we think about spiritual gifts. The first passage is Romans 12. Another passage is 1 Corinthians 12. And then we have this Ephesians 4 passage and 1 Peter 4. All give us a list of spiritual gifts. What's interesting about these gifts, these lists, is that they don't all agree. In fact, there's not one, there's 21 gifts listed if you add them all up, 21 different gifts in these four lists, but not one of the lists, not one of the gifts is in all four of the lists. Interesting. Three of them are actually in three of the four lists. That's the gift of prophecy, the gift of serving, and the gift of teaching. They're listed three times, three out of the four lists. One is mentioned twice. We call it the gift of apostle, which I think is really kind of the church planting gift that Paul had, or might even say today the missionary gift to start new works. And then all of the rest of the gifts are listed only one time. Here they are real quick, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, administrating, evangelism, shepherding, hospitality, and speaking. And we look at that list and we say, well, where is craftsmanship? Well, it's not in the list. Where is artistic ability? It's not in the list. Where's music? It's not in the list. But guess what? I don't think the list, because they don't all agree, I don't think the list is exhaustive, giving us all of the spiritual gifts. I think the list is representative. It's telling us about some of the spiritual gifts. And we can look elsewhere in Scripture and clearly see that the Holy Spirit, who gives all of these gifts, also was giving gifts like to Bezalel and Oholiab, gifts like craftsmanship, like artistic ability. 
And in fact, what's very, very interesting, if you look back in Exodus chapter 31, we see that it was the Spirit of God who gave these gifts. It says, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs. And then he goes on to describe all the work. And later, Oholiab is also told it's through the Spirit of God. So God's Spirit gives gifts like craftsmanship, like music, like artistic ability. And I think most people who look at spiritual gifts would add those categories. Sometimes we look at these spiritual gifts and we think, oh, Man, teaching, that's really takes a spiritual person to do that, to teach the word of God, or maybe somebody that preaches or has the gift of prophecy or the gift of evangelism or the gift of, of healing or faith or the, that apostle gift, that missionary gift. Oh, man, those are spiritual. That's a spiritual person. The truth is, all of the gifts are equally as important. It's one of the points that is made in those lists. Those lists. And often the gift like craftsmanship is some, somehow thought to be less than the best, not as important. But it's given by the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit, and it's absolutely as equally important as these others. And it's just as spiritual. And we need to understand that as we begin to think about this gift. It's given by the same Spirit. You know what's interesting? This is the first time in Scripture that individuals are described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was Bezalel and Aholiab. And they had the gift of craftsmanship. That's noteworthy. That's important. A fourth thing I would say is that God empowers us to use our gifts for his glory. That's what this is all about. He's the one that fills us. He's the one that's gifted us. He's the one that's called us, chosen us, and then he empowers us, whatever our gifts are. And it was just as true for the gift of craftsmanship as it was for any of the other gifts. Well, how does this relate to us? How does this kind of fit into our lives today? Well, one of the things we've noticed, there's uh, this report that I have here is actually, uh, it's out on the back table by all the doors. We just had our quarterly business meeting and one of the things we're gonna be doing over the next five years at each of the quarterly business meetings is give a report of the strategic plan and all the things that are going on in the strategic plan. And so I want you to pick one of these up before you leave today and read it. We've also sent it out electronically, digitally. Kind of just gives you an update. But as you read through that, you're gonna see all kinds of exciting things happening and a lot of the gifts, different gifts, are being used. Many of these spiritual gifts to help us live out our vision and our mission. That's what the strategic plan is. It's a, it's a vision plan, a ministry plan, a mission plan. And it's just talking about all the things. And it's, it's everything from, uh, we have 
Just think about this. We have a, a maintenance team that's helping us fix things around the church. These are people that have the gift of building things or fixing things or mechanical gifts. We have a design team that's doing decorating, interior decorating and remodeling. They remodeled our foyer and our hospitality room. These are craftsmen or craftswomen, if you will. Did extraordinary job with the gift of interior design. That's, that fits into craftsmanship. Graphic art. We have a team that's worked on our website of late, redesigning it. Uh, communication, graphic design, all of these are craftsmanship or artistic ability gifts. We have a tech team that runs our audio system and our, our videography and all of the background. We have a, a tech team that helps look and monitor our campus for security and we have cameras and all kinds of things. All of that is that it's run by craftsmen, people with gifts or at least have been trained in these gifts. And there's all kinds of other things. We have people here that can sew and are craftsmen in terms of working with cloth, some that can quilt, some that cross stitch, some that embroider. We have people that have the gift of of uh, green thumbs, maintain our campus, our flower beds, can grow flowers. It's not my gift, it's my wife's gift. Things like that. Beautiful gift that falls into this artistic ability. We even have people with gifts with computers, computer skills, a very mechanical thing, both programming and software. Again, craftsmanship and artistic we have people with gifts in business and finance and on and on. We have people that can lead mission trips where we do, where we build things. And so it's very, very important that we understand that all of this needs to be leveraged for the kingdom of God. Your gifts, your talents, your experiences, leveraged for the kingdom of God, used for him. And so don't think if, if your gift might be uh, in this area, craftsmanship or artistic ability, it's equally as valuable and equally as spiritual and equally as important as any of the other gifts, including the gifts that I use as I preach or teach the Word of God or gifts of, of evangelism. It's just as important. It takes all of us using our gifts, identifying our gifts, and then serving in the kingdom of God. I've seen this actually happen, especially with craftsmanship on, on the mission field. Uh, in 1999, at another church, we, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip, which actually another, uh, several other churches were going. I represented our church, and we went and we went to work with the Nobe Indians in central Panama, a very remote people group, lived uh, up in the Cherokee Mountains of central Panama, very uh, poor people. They literally lived in grass huts with dirt floors, and they were spread out all over this mountain range. Well, a missionary was reaching out to them and using churches to bring in teams to help them. So I went. My village was Cuernavaca. It was the end of a long dirt road. 
Uh, Four-wheel drive vehicle had to get up there at the time, two and a half hour trip. You got up there, it was the end of the road, and it was this beautiful high mountain village that had the most ferocious wind I've ever seen or experienced, constantly blowing. And this village had about 20 believers on that first trip, and we were gathering in a little, really a little ditch, a little gully, a creek bed, just to try to get out of the wind so we could try to communicate. We were worshiping there. We were trying to do vacation Bible school. We were just, that's what they had. So I went back and God put it on my heart to talk to my church about going back and helping them build a church building. I talked to the pastor and said, hey, would y'all be interested in it? They said, absolutely. And so we sent a team back the next year and I personally went to different people in my church that could build things. And I said, you are desperately needed to go on this trip. One of them was my friend, Mike Engel, a guy that could build anything, had the gift of craftsmanship. Never had he ever even thought about the possibility of going on a mission trip. But I, I told him, I shared the vision and the need, and guess what, Mike saved the money and he went with his wife. And they built this metal building. The, the Nobes had, we worked together. They put the a concrete floor in place. They built this metal building. We funded it. It was beautiful. Uh, and it all was done within a week by some extraordinary craftsmen who designed the building, put it together, organized it, and built it. What's interesting is that that lit a fire under Mike Engel. Mike has probably been back to Panama now with his wife 40 different times, no kidding, 40 times over the last 20 years. And not only that, he's gone to Romania, he's gone to Africa, he's gone to South America doing the same type things. And not only is he just, he's always building something, using his gift of craftsmanship, but he's also preaching now. Extraordinary how God is using him primarily through the gift of craftsmen. I've seen it unleash people into missions. And we need to understand that's part of all of our callings. That's the goal ultimately for all of us. The goal is that we discern our spiritual gifts and our talents and our education and our training, even our hobbies, we need to, the things we're passionate about, all of that needs to be discerned, needs to be committed to God and then leveraged for the kingdom, used for the benefit of the kingdom and however we choose to use, however God leads us. And he will open up the opportunities. I want you to know if you are a Bezalel or an Oholiab, here with us today, God's got special work, special plans just for you. Plans to bring wonderful glory to his name. If we all work together using our gifts, using our talents, our time, our experiences, and let the Holy Spirit fill us and lead us, we will accomplish this strategic plan and even so much more for his glory. That's our prayer Will you join me in it today? Thank you for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church podcast. If you don't already have a church home, 
we invite you to join us in person each Sunday morning. Our contemporary worship service is at 9 a.m. and our traditional service is at 11.15. For more information, be sure to check out our website, cbclr.org.